Hello and welcome to the Writing from the Womb podcast. I'm Sama Morningstar, and before we get started with today's episode, I just want to make a few announcements about this podcast and what's going on in the Womb-Centered Healing Temple, uh, which is the umbrella organization that's hosting this podcast. So this podcast arose out of my writing process and my um, writing workshops that I started offering uh, called Writing from the Womb. And this, this arose out of a desire to not be alone in the writing process anymore, to come together with others who wanted to write uh, from womb consciousness, to develop womb consciousness, to utilize writing as a healing process for our womb wellness journey. And I'm in the process of writing the Biomystical Womb book and have already published the Goddesses, Lovers, and Dreams poetry book and um, wanted to be reading excerpts of that poetry book and inviting other authors and writers with a similar experience of the therapeutic value of writing to come and share their work as well. So that's what this podcast is about. Um, the the Womb-Centered Healing Temple is the organization that is an online temple space for this kind of womb-centered healing to go on. You may be familiar with the Womb-Centered Healing Podcast, which is another podcast that that is running that that where the focus is talking about the various healing processes that we go through around the womb. And this one is more focused on the writing process and sharing about our writing, sharing about the activating the creative center of the womb through writing and birthing books and other writing sort of projects. And so if you're interested in joining us for writing from the womb workshops, there's currently two a week on the weekends, Saturdays and Sundays. Um, You can go to the Womb Centered Healing Temple website at wombcenteredhealing.com and sign up for the newsletter and there'll be announcements there. Um, You can also go directly to Eventbrite where you can find the Womb Centered Healing Temple as an organizer there and see and sign up directly for the, the classes there. So hope to see you soon and take very good care. And here's the, this episode, the next episode, please enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Writing from the Womb podcast. I'm Sama Morningstar and I have Terry Lomax here with me today. Thank you so much for joining me, Terry. So as some of you might be aware, this uh, Writing from the Womb podcast is a new iteration of the first podcast that I started based on my book, Goddesses, Lovers, and Dreams my poetry book that was published maybe a year and a half or two years ago. And I started out with this podcast, you can see in the old episodes, uh, reading from this book and discussing that. And then I wanted to expand it because we started doing writing from the room 
workshops and I wanted to expand it to other writers to come who, who feel that connection between creative projects like writing books or writing in general, therapeutic writing, journal writing and all of that with the, with the healing power in the womb, with the vital energy generating power of the womb, with the creative power of the womb. So as we start to make these connections, the writing process, uh, very clear that it, that we're writing from the womb space. If we're connecting with that sort of holistic, whole person sense of where is my creative center um, and, and, you know, connecting with our soul, with our life purpose, with all of this. And so very connected writing is going to be connected to the womb and coming from the womb, our womb voice, if you will. And so I know that Terry, your work is very much of that nature. And so we can discuss, um, this idea of writing from the womb and your creative writing process. And I thought we'd start out with a poetry, a poem from uh, Goddesses, Lovers, and Dreams to just get us started here. This is the first poem in the book called A Place. There is a place where I float in my own waters, where I bathe in my breath. There is a place that stretches me inspiration expanding me, inner joy pressing out, stronger than the outside, blissful collapse, surrender. This is the place where I grow, each cell opening, preparing to feel eternity. So that's, that's beautiful. Start, thank you. You're welcome. Should I share what I thought about when you shared that or do you want to share sure. what you what came up for you because when I thought about that it made me think about um the special place the special space that I go to for like meditation so I have a meditation closet and it's my sacred space where I'm refueled on motivation inspiration and it just felt so soothing I just kind of wanted to close my eyes and like vibe with you as you read that poem but I thought it was so beautiful mm-hmm yeah, and that's that's a great place for us to begin is is feeling that that place of sanctuary within ourselves, and that's uh, what I feel happens when I'm writing from that connected place, uh, and if I need to get to that connected place to start writing, you know, I'll go to a special meditative place inside myself. I call it my womb sanctuary. I even have all kinds of imagery that I guide people to that place for themselves. And we can have a special place in our home or a special place we like to visit that helps us to find that sanctuary within ourselves. Um, but, and I have learned that those spaces are often temporary. I've lost connection to many a temple in my life and over the lifetimes that I've lived and, you know, ancestrally, you know, many of our sacred places have been destroyed um, and, and we've lost them. And even in this lifetime, I had one of my main spiritual sanctuaries burned down in wildfires here in California. And I, I built a, a temple space uh, over the course of 11 years and then had to leave it due to um, the leader of that organization becoming unbearably abusive. And um, so I've lost temple spaces many times. And that the message I always got was 
that I needed to take to really integrate within myself what that temple space gave to me and live it in every moment and create that space within myself. So that's what this home is about. And, and that's what the womb sanctuary, going to the womb and then creating from that space, that writing from that womb space is, I've always sort of done that. That's where the poetry would take me would be to that place, that sanctuary. That's why it's the first poem in my book. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Start out in that place. And I'm so I'm curious, do you go to your special meditation closet when you're, you know, before you start writing or at the beginning of your day to, you know, or to recharge? Yeah. You know what? I would say that I, I do want to show you the book. So the book is called How to Glow Up As You Grow Up. Yes. your go-to guide for overcoming obstacles and making lemonade. And the thing about this book, Sama, is that it's been basically like a 12-year 12, 12 in the making process. So I feel like I've written it at different stages of life in different, I want to say, sanctuaries, so to speak. And what really resonated with me about what you shared is that, you know, sometimes I think there's a misconception that we have to have a physical space to be our sanctuary of, you know, rioting and creativity, but really it lives within us, right? It's our, it's our womb center, right? It's where, it's wherever we are that can be our sanctuary. And so I wrote parts of my book living in a one bedroom shelter with my family of seven. I wrote parts of book, parts of the book when I was in grad school and, you know, when I did have my own place. And so there were various stages of the journey where I did write, but I wouldn't say there's a special place in particular, but I do get into a certain headspace of just kind of opening up and asking spirit to guide me as I write, because oftentimes I feel overwhelmed. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where to begin. But I think when I open that door and I just kind of leap, the net does appear. Beautiful. And I know that we've talked about on the, my other podcast, the Womb Center Healing Podcast, that the connections with your womb healing journey in this book. Uh, and I'm curious about that and what inspiration came out of that womb journey for what you've written in this book. And perhaps there's an excerpt that you'd like to read for us. Yeah, you know what, let me try to, so I actually, I'm in the process of recording the audio book. And so this is the actual manuscript here. So there's a lot that I need to be working on here, Sama. But the part that really speaks to me based on what you've shared is that um, when I was going, I went through a miscarriage last year, and during the, I didn't plan to write about it in the book, but as I began to write, I thought that it was really, um, it was a great testament of how I was moving through the different phases of, you know, being a victim and feeling victimized by what was happening to me, and then moving into this stage of victorship, as I call it in the book, where I realized that, you know, this was happening for me instead of happening to me. And so I, it, it was a really big perspective shift for me. So I wanna try to find that uh, portion that I can maybe take a little paragraph and, and share. Okay, so you found a couple of paragraphs that you wanna I did, okay. yes. So this section is called What to Do in the Meantime. And so what I wrote here is, as I write this chapter, I'm going through a very difficult time in my life. I want to share something personal that I believe is a great example of how you can move from victim land into neutral land while waiting for your road trip to victor land. To make a long story short, my husband and I have been married for four years. We've been trying to have a baby for two of those years. 
it's been a very long and painful journey. When you get to the point in life where you have the career, the house, the stable relationship, and all that adult stuff people aspire to get, people often say things like, when are you having a baby? Don't wait too long to have kids. Do you want kids? Yes, we do, but it's just been harder for us to get pregnant. A few years ago, I found out I was pregnant. We were so excited. We told our close friends and family members. We picked a name. We downloaded every pregnancy app we could find and started making small actions towards this new life we've been waiting for. Then during our first ultrasound, the day after Mother's Day and the day before my husband's birthday, the doctor told us the pregnancy isn't viable and told us to prepare for a miscarriage. I was devastated. This past week, I've been in victim land. I've asked myself those questions. Why me? Why does this always have to happen to me? Why does something always have to happen to me? When will I finally get my baby? I even took myself on a shame-paved guilt trip and wondered if I was struggling to have a baby because of an abortion I had years ago when I got pregnant during a tough time in life. I'm not going to lie to you. It's been a tough week full of tears, lying in bed with curtains drawn, being antisocial, taking a break from social media and leaving text messages on read. I'm not feeling it at all this week. Well, I want you to keep going. <laughs> I'm sure I was like, oh my part, gosh. Yeah, I'm sure the next part, but we'll, maybe we'll go back to the next few chapters after this. So, so this okay. came, when you wrote this, this was in the midst of a very difficult time. And yeah. I imagine that writing that by itself had some kind of some kind of effect for you. And I'm really curious about that. What did you feel like after you wrote that, while you were writing that in the midst of all this pain? You know what? A lot of the things, a lot of the adversity I wrote about in the book, I am very much far removed from a lot of it. So for me, I felt like this was the best way that I could be as transparent as possible about how you know, life doesn't necessarily get easier. We get stronger, right? We develop tools in our toolbox that help us through the adversities of life because we experience, you know, suffering and sadness really until the day that we die. You know, people pass away and we experience, you know, heartache and those things. And so for me, it was very therapeutic to write about it. I had no intentions on writing about this at all, but it just happened that, you know, I had this miscarriage in the midst of writing the book and, or right after writing the book. And I was like, you know what? I felt like this is something needed. I wanted people to see a vulnerable side of me where I'm still in the midst of my own struggle. It's not like I'm on the other side, like, hey, everyone, come join me on the other side. It's all great and shiny over here. But it's like, hey, I've overcome certain obstacles, but I'm still in the midst of another obstacle. And I want to show you exactly how I'm feeling at this very moment, because sometimes I think there's a lot of shame and guilt when we're not feeling 100%. And that's not the reality of life. You know, we're not 100%, 100% of the time. <laughs> That'd be a thousand percent, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That it's just not. It's not the reality. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, it was therapeutic. So you you didn't write that in the midst of that. You wrote that after the fact, later on. I actually wrote this in the midst of it. I actually recorded an audio piece for the book when I was, I remember lying in bed and I was in so much pain from the miscarriage. I, I took time off work and I was probably away for about a week and I just felt inspired to record. And so I actually recorded some audio snippets for the book 
in the midst of what I was going through. And that felt so healing to me, which is kind of ironic, right? You wouldn't expect that during that time you'd be able to create in that way, but it was actually very, very therapeutic for me to, to journal and to write this portion of the book and add it to what I've already done and then to record the audio piece. Mm, beautiful. And so that, what we get to see with that, what you just shared is that the creative process itself can become part of the healing process. And, and when we're going through uh, a big thing like a miscarriage uh, and all of the physical things that might be going on, that doesn't stop the creative process. In fact, what I'm hearing and what you're sharing is that perhaps your your womb was showing you some different perspectives like it was a transformational process for you uh, and you know what i talk to my clients who um, have had miscarriages about is that our womb is very wise mm. and will not hold a pregnancy to term in, when the conditions aren't quite right for us mm -hmm. babies. Yeah. And it's out of wisdom that that's the case. And so I'm curious what wisdom came to you either about your fertility or about mm -hmm. life in general or about the creative process of writing your book, um, your own healing process out of that experience with the, the miscarriage. And I imagine you have other excerpts in your book to answer that question that you're welcome to read as well. You know what, that's a really great question. I will say that for me, what I've learned through the whole miscarriage experience is that I needed to take better care of myself. And for me that, you know, I, I was very adamant about, you know, scheduling self-care and things of that nature, but my biggest struggle was eating well to support my body. I tend to be, I am a recovering workaholic and I don't know if the grind and the hustle and the go, go, go attitude comes from, you know, being from this poverty stricken background and feeling as though I needed to work hard to get to where I wanted to be, even after I got to a level of success where it didn't require the same grind that I had before. But my biggest issue was working, working, working nonstop and not eating, not really hydrating myself throughout the day. So there would be some times where I work for hours and my husband's like, hey, did you eat today? And I'm like, oh, um, probably should do that because I got so energized by my work and it was so fun and, and, and just fulfilling for me. And so what I've been doing now is I've worked with the nutritionist, right? So now I am like tracking my, my food and my fitness pal. I'm not too concerned about calories, but making sure that I get my macros that I need each day because I'm preparing my body for, you know, for motherhood. I wanna make sure that I'm hydrated. So I think for me, it allowed me to, um, care about myself a lot more because I noticed that when I was pregnant, I was on top of it. I'm like, I have to take care of baby. And it was more so I have to do this for baby and not necessarily I have to do this for Terry. So now it's more so me realizing that I really do have to fill my cup before I can, before I can, you know, give to anyone else and be overflowing for my community, my podcast and the world. And so that's the biggest lesson I've learned from that experience, I believe. Mm, beautiful. And have you write about that in this book? You know what? I'm, it's, I think I did. I'm, I'm looking at the next line here. I 
because I wrote this book last year, Sama, I feel like I kind of forgot what I touched on in the book because it's been, it's like I let it all out and now I'm like, wait, what did I cover again? Yeah. Well, yeah. can you read the next little segment and we'll see yes. what you said next after that? Yes, Remember absolutely. Remember your own wisdom, <laughs> like, here it is. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay, so the next section is feel all those emotions. I did make time for self-care though. I dragged myself out of the house to see my therapist, go to the gym, attend my acupuncture session. I literally just learned about acupuncture. Google it if you've never heard of it. It's very relaxing and healing. I wrote this book and I listened to uplifting music. I even chatted with my manager to let her know that I'd need extra support over the next few weeks and possibly months. I also let myself feel all the emotions that came up, the anger, hurt, pain, guilt, all that. When we deny our emotions and bottle them up, that's when we get ourselves in trouble and explode in the future. Find a space to just let go, ugly cry and journal about all the feelings that get that stuff, to get that stuff out of your body. We need to release it in order to heal. By the end of the week, I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. And although I have a long journey ahead of me, I know I will overcome. I know I'll share my story with other women when I heal completely, and I know it'll all be okay. I'm slowly walking myself into Victor land, but I'm neutral right now, and that's okay. For me, being neutral is letting go of the victim badge, taking care of myself and healing, but promising myself to make the trip to Victor land sooner than later. And I do want to say this was at a time before I interviewed on your podcast. Your podcast was one of the first public spaces, I believe, outside of my podcast where I actually spoke about this very personal and intimate journey of you know, infertility and miscarriage. Um, so this was all in preparation for the conversation that we had. Beautiful. Yeah, so those of you who might want to listen to the first podcast interview, it's on the Womb Centered Healing Temple, or the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. Um, I think it was last year, earlier in the year. It's, it's been a bit. Yes. But you can scroll back and see the interview with Terry Lomax that we did about um, this recovering from miscarriage. I think she focused quite a lot on that. And so, and I am really glad to hear this follow up that that you published the book because I don't think it was published yet at that time. No, it wasn't published yet. Okay, so now it's published. You're working on the audiobook and you're receiving this wisdom about I need to take care of me in order to be able to get pregnant and carry a pregnancy to term and have a baby and become a mother. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's so wonderful because, you know, mothers and women we've been taught and everyone of any gender we've been taught to take care of others first but for, but most uh, primarily women that's been one of the biggest um teachings is that we're all it's we're only our whole purpose is to take care of other people mm -hmm. and there's programming there's a collective agreement that that women and mothers are just they they're not supposed we're not supposed to have any desires or needs of our own yeah yes and that changing that and healing that is one of the main focuses of the biomystical womb healing work that i do um and it's actually underlies most of the work that i do with people of saying okay 
this has been programmed into your DNA. Mm. This, that whole approach to everything has been programmed into our DNA because that's how our mothers and our grandmothers and our great grandmothers had to live. They didn't have any other choice. Mm-hmm. In order to have their needs met, they had to focus all their energy on taking care of the men and the children in their lives and their other family members. And that's that's how the structures of our lives have been for many generations. So that's programmed into our DNA because there we were in our mother's womb while she was trying to figure out how she was going to, you know, um, take care of us as a child and what's what she had to give up as any of her fires or dreams or aspirations you know yes it is spot on in order to take care of the children so that whole attitude that whole energetic of okay i've got to give up this i just got to do that i just got to do that i got to work 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 and do what i need to do you know maybe it's find a husband or have a husband and take you know take care of him and make sure that he's happy so he can, you know, take care of the kids and all this stuff. And the mother is the, the, our own desires and needs just get put to the side. And so that whole energetic gets programmed into us when we're in our mother's womb. And then we're watching her do that throughout our life. And that becomes what it means to be a woman. Our whole identity is all wrapped up in that. You are preaching so true. <laughs> and so, so it's like to change that is huge. And I feel like so many women are struggling with uh, fertility because our wombs are like enough of that already. <laughs> Can't do it anymore. It's like the collective female cup is on empty yes. for so many more and more women. Like, you know, maybe we inherited a little bit still in the cup and maybe our mothers inherited a little bit still in the cup, but then they completely expended it. And, you know, it's, and so now our wounds are like, sorry, nothing left. Yeah. And I feel this really relates to mother earth and how we've been exploiting mother earth and how the whole societal systems of, of capitalism and, and oppression, all the different, flavors of oppression and human cruelty is just so life detrimental to life regenerating itself on all levels and boy I could go on and on about that (laughs) but we can just return though to this sanctuary and refill and learn we have to relearn I mean this is you know people talk about self-care all the time and so many people are writing books about self-care and how to overcome Mm -hmm. these things because we need to tell that this new story, of, yes. you know, and, and so many women too of saying, you know what, I'm worth it to take care of myself. Exactly. And so I'm curious if, uh, I'm sure there have been milestones along the way of, for you, of like, oh, I need to eat. What have been some of the, uh, what have some of the other milestones along the way of things that you realized that you needed to do for yourself because they give you pleasure because it's, it satisfies a desire in you, not for someone else, but for you. You know what? I would say my meditation practice, I've definitely over the past, I would say year and a half, especially since 
you know, dealing with like the miscarriage and a little before that, I've been getting more spiritual and just developing my own practice. And so, you know, committing to that practice and just holding space for myself. I mean, Thelma, this is a big deal for me, but when I first started meditating, I could literally only concentrate for like a minute or two. I was just like, you know, oh, squirrel, like just, just so distracted, like, oh, this thing over here, this thing. And so now um, I can meditate up to an hour. And for me, it's like huge just to be in my space and to focus on my chakras and, and focus on my breath. So that's something that's very sacred for me. And that's really important. So I would say meditation for sure. And then mindfulness, like really being mindful of the thoughts that I'm having throughout the day. And, you know, instead of jumping to conclusions, which sometimes with, with anything in life, which kind of puts me in a reactive space, um, coming from a place of curiosity, just reprogramming the way that I think about things in life in general, um, that those are a few other things that have really helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that, that gives us that moment to moment that, well, that, first of all, that ability to, to be with ourselves and in, in meditation, whatever that meditation is now for me, meditation, uh, Sitting still meditation has never really worked for me. Movement meditation, where I'm moving with the flow of the body. So dance meditation, Mm -hmm. um, vocals, chanting, singing meditation, um, and yoga-like meditation. Those have always been um, more appealing, more fruitful for me. Um, and I have had experiences of sitting meditation that are and quiet, still meditation that are very profound as well, but it's not my favorite <laughs> type yeah. of meditation. And I just want to mention that because for many people, it isn't uh, yes. you know, sitting still meditation. It, it, it just doesn't become fruitful for them. And then they give up on meditation altogether. And I just want yes. to expand the, the possibilities for a healthy meditation practice can also include movement, can include dancing can include yoga, include, you know, guided visualization, you know, like I will, if I want to have a specific focus of a meditation, I'll actually record my own voice guiding a meditation for myself. And then I'm listening and that really helps me or with someone else holding space for me. So I have partners, meditation partners, where we take turns doing guided meditations for each other for various healing purposes. And that, that really helps. Those are all, all very lovely tools. And then womb-centered meditation, which that ends up with dancing, singing, all of this, because it activates this creative flow of energy. Um, so I just wanted to mention all of that. And thank you for sharing these beautiful practices that, that you're working with. And I'm curious how those practices nourished your writing process. Yeah, you know, you know, what's funny, I think that, I mean, when I think back to even writing the book, it feel, kind of feels like a blur. Um, I was very, like, I was very fearful, because I didn't know how it was going to, you know, come out, if it was going to be organized. But I think for me, just really praying and meditating and, and asking for, you know, the wisdom of spirit and God to like, just help me with this. I feel like when I showed up in the home office, it sort of felt like it really did pour out of me. And I also had a bunch of journal entries and, and content to pull from. But the funny thing is, as I begin, as my practice begins to, you know, evolve, I'm actually thinking about book number two already. So that's kind of where I'm like, I haven't even like, you know, really gotten this out into the world fully. And I'm already thinking like, oh my gosh, okay. I'm going to document the ideas I have because sometimes it's overwhelming and it's like a water hose where it's like, 
so much content, so many ideas for book number two. And so I'm really trying to focus on this now, take the notes for the second book and then focus on that when the time comes, I'm able to dedicate my energy. Um, but I think the more that I commit to the practice, I am more in tune with self and the ideas begin to just flow in um, just like a water hose. <laughs> you know, that's the experience that I have, especially recognizing where that creative source is coming from, that, that the, the womb space can be this like constant torrent of creative energy that's um, uh, it's not like there's a pool with a certain amount of water or creative juice and that that gets depleted it's like there's a fountain from some greater source like mm -hmm. you were saying uh that is infinite and so that's why i talk to people about writing from the womb because the womb is where we connect with that infinite source it's where we connect with spirit it's where a new spirit finds a portal to come in to have a body in this world and it takes and uh, to support that it requires that our finite energies be uh, well nourished to support that flow or else it can just wash us out right and so um, and so if we're not well nourished, what I've noticed is that that flow can be staunched mm. in the womb's wisdom of like, okay, just like with the pregnancy, mm, she's not eating. She's not, you know, yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. not enough nutrients here. If we let this baby come through, it wouldn't work. Yes. There's not enough nutrients for the baby to really fully develop and for the mom to be healthy. Although some people manage to still do that, even if, you know, exactly, exactly. And that's why a lot of people have trouble or then they can't, they can't, you know, all kinds of trouble later on in motherhood and things like that when that mm. goes forth. But we can, those of us who it doesn't go forth with, we can be grateful that the woman in her wisdom is making sure that we're, we're well prepared and perhaps has different things for us. Like perhaps it's birthing books that you're birthing, mm -hmm. right? Exactly, and, exactly. And, and there's these books that need to come through you and, and you're learning how to nurture yourself and make sure that you're a clear vessel and a strong vessel to deliver that torrent yes. of inspiration and spirit and, and you know, wisdom. For people that you're delivering in these books and if you were having a baby i mean there's plenty of moms don't get me wrong there's plenty of moms that write a bunch of books too yes I this don't is get true. Me wrong. there's no <laughs> limit to that right yeah. but if already one baby was too much for the system you know you're mm -hmm. gonna have to really eat lots of food in order to have a baby and write your books at the same time. So I'm just yes. like, you better start, you better start now. You got a snack yes. right there. <laughs> exactly. That's what my husband said. He's like, bring a snack. That is so true. I was actually curious. I wanted to ask you a question. So I noticed that when typically I get intense downloads, when I take showers and when I'm driving, those are like two places where I'm like, 
it's to the point where I have to have my phone next to me in the shower, like on the floor, because something will come. And I used to get annoyed by it. Like, why is it coming now? But now I'm like, wait, this is a gift. Let me go ahead and just, you know, pop open the voice recorder and document this. And then when I drive on long drives, I often have the voice recorder mm. to document any downloads. Where do you typically get your like powerful downloads? Like, is there a certain space or energy that you're in? Well, um, I'll tell you one thing is related that's related to water is I live near a hot springs resort, which unfortunately I can't go to right now because of the pandemic, mm. um, which is very disappointing to me. But there's this super, super hot pool of water that comes from the geothermal spring. And then right behind it, there's this cold plunge, right? And the, the whole thing is you go back and forth between the hot and the cold. And I would just sit in that cold and the, the keys to the secrets of the universe would just come in uh, like, like the water coming into that pool. I mean, the water yeah. just talked to me and I work with that water therapeutically, which I'm so sad that I'm not able to do that, that work right now. But, um, one day. Uh, yes, one day. Uh, but that water really speaks to me, so I could really relate to what you were saying about the shower, being in the shower. Water has water is an intelligent entity. It's an intelligent. Mm. It's a transmission of intelligence. It can be, um, and so sacred waters are one place. Now, in the absence of being able to go to the sacred waters, of course, taking a bath, taking a shower, but then dancing. Mm. So when I move my body and I breathe and I have like uh, sort of like qigong type movements that I do when I'm dancing where I'm working with the energy of, of mother earth and then I'm opening myself through that dancing to receive guidance from divine mother and like that and I do little prayers and I do singing and chanting and dancing and pretty soon all these inspirations are coming yeah, so, that's so awesome. Instructions of what to do next and inspirations for, but mostly with the writing, I just sit down and it comes, mm. you know, and especially I'll sometimes first thing in the morning, I'll wake up and I'll have a, you know, segment of the storyline that I'm working on more information because a lot of what I'm writing about is ancestral memory. And so I'm writing stories in my book about ancestors and filling in blanks of what I didn't know. You know, I know certain things about their lives, like the basic yeah. of their lives, and then I'm living, reliving it with them and bringing my healing wisdom now to the story. Um, so it's an alchemical remembrance of bringing healing to the ancestor while writing the story of the ancestor. And so, and so I'm like receive, I'm listening to what this ancestor has to say, you know, and receiving that in the dream world mm -hmm. through the cells of my body, through the dancing, through the connection to the womb, through the connection to the earth, and then receiving divine guidance about how to work with that story, bring healing there. And so I'm doing all these other things. And then when I sit down to write, it just flows. So incredible. Yeah. And, you know, to tell you the truth, I like to write with other people I've found out. Mm. Like, I was trying to write my book all by myself and it wasn't happening. Yeah. Right? And so I'm a relational creator, like mm. having other people with me. So writing groups, 
really helps where there's a facilitator and maybe they give a writing prompt. Oh yeah. And, and that writing prompt will bring up, and it could be like, you know, usually they'll give a picture or they'll give like a question, you know, when, uh, you know, uh, focusing on a sense of the body, mm -hmm. sense like smell, the sense of smell, the sense of taste, the division, or a particular theme that's going on, you know, so just a variety of different prompts, and they always relate to some aspect of the story, and then that gives life to the story I'm telling, so it's, you know, it's coming at it from all these different perspectives, from all these different prompts, yeah. and then hearing other people writing, and so this is why I'm doing the podcast this way, because when you read from your book, that inspires me in my writing process. Oh, I could say it like that. Oh, I really love how she, you know, said it like this and use these words and this style and this, you know, aspect of how you're writing. And mm -hmm. so then, then that becomes an inspiration for me is listening yeah. to other writers and how they write. I love that. I can't wait to see how this is going to turn out, Sama. And we'll have to do another interview after I have the baby to bring this all full circle. And after you <laughs> write your second book, too. Exactly, so exactly, the yes. of writing yep. a second book. And so I want to invite you and listeners um, to check out the Writing from the Womb workshops that I'm hosting, uh, which are a great place to both receive nourishment, meditate, together in a group and receive support around any of these womb-centered healing processes um, and to write uh, about that from the therapeutic uh, approach of writing and and then have that time to write if you are working on a book or a writing project of some kind um, and and then share your writing with others and receive feedback about what it lands well or i call it non-dual feedback so it's not about whether the writing was good or bad it's about how we felt when listening to it just mm. like you shared with me when i read my poem earlier so so i invite you and any listeners who would like to join us for the writing from the womb workshops to do so they've been very fruitful and um yeah. So anything else you want to share before we uh, wrap up our, our podcast today, Terry? Well, I do want to say, Sama, thank you so much for having me again. I'm super excited to be chatting with you. And if any of your listeners want to stay connected to the journey or learn more about the book, they can follow me at Terry Lomax on social media, pretty much anywhere. I'm heavily on Instagram. That's my place. I like to hang out a lot. So at Terry Lomax. And then the book, you can find the book at Glow Up book.com that's g-l-o-w up book.com beautiful excellent and we can perhaps put the links in the show notes um, for this podcast all right thank you so much for joining us on the womb center uh, the writing from the womb <laughs> podcast and those of you who'd like to learn more about the womb-centered healing temple offerings which this podcast is part of you can go to wombcenteredhealing.com all right, take good care, everyone. That's all for now. Until next time.